Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. Clemson still reigns in the ACC, but will a dark horse emerge? Also, what can we expect from possibly the final season of the Pac-12 Conference? And the Yankees have no good reason to retain Brian Cashman. I'm Kainani Stevenson for Peter Bukowski, and this is Locked On Sports Today. Clemson has been the unstoppable force in the ACC for some time, but could they be surprised this year? Our Locked On hosts in the ACC join Locked On ACC hosts Candace Cooper and Kenton Gibbs for a preview of the conference. We have some ACC contenders. I want to start with Grayson and Kenton. Of course, you chime in. Y'all are probably the dark horse out of all the contenders we have here, but Brendan Armstrong allegedly is supposed to be the guy. He's he got a new fresh arm. Been in rehab, doing all the things. And NC State's defense is NC State's defense. So can you tell me, Grayson, a little bit of why you feel like NC State could do it all? I do like the angle of a dark horse for NC State. There's kind of a saying amongst our fan base that when you expect the least, that's when you get the most out of these NC State teams. And so you could have a prime example here in 2023. But, yes, we are bringing on Brennan Armstrong from Virginia uh, of course, probably most known for his 2021 season where he threw for legitimately a billion yards uh, with the Cavaliers. But we also bring in his old offensive coordinator from Virginia in Robert Anai, which is a lot of cause for some excitement here in Raleigh. Still some things that uh, probably it's going to hinge a little heavier on than just Armstrong and Anai. But certainly, uh, certainly a lot of things to look forward to offensively. A thousand percent. There are two things that travel in football. There are two things that are universal through any type of weather in football. That's a running game and defense. And NC State has one of the best defenses in the nation. They have one of the best corners in the nation in terms of the player who played the most cover snaps without a touchdown allowed in Aiden White. They've got a linebacker who... I I kid you not, when I saw him play once in high school, I saw him play for a legitimate five minutes, and I realized, oh, he's different. That's the guy that is is going to be a program changer in Peyton Wilson. They have one of the most underrated defenders, uh, especially up front in the nation in terms of Davin Van, and and C.J. Clark is no slouch in the middle. And so, like – Like Grayson alluded to, the question is going to be about quarterback play, but even further, that receiver room. If the receiver room gives good things for NC State, it's not hard to see how they could be something special. And then the running back room, if you could get a little bit of juice out of there, you could also see something great happening. So, you know, NC State being a a team that is a dark horse and all that, there are a lot of questions and there are a lot of big ifs that you hope and wish and dream for to work out. So I understand the dark horse label and why you're not necessarily seen as the the top of the top of the creme de la creme per se of the contenders. But I also get the angle of why it would make sense for them to, uh, to make a run here. All right, Damien, let's throw you in here as someone who has faced these Atlantic division foes a time or two, when you're talking about NC state as someone who, you know, they beat them a couple of times at that Clemson Clemson helm. How do you feel about NC state and their chances of maybe taking down Florida state or Clemson? I mean, you know, I think Kenton talked about it best. It starts with the quarterback. Everything, when you have a defense that can keep you in games, you can run the ball, create that play action. You want to get the box count that you want. You want to create the numbers advantage in the passing game. Brendan Armstrong, if he can get back to 2021, where he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You know, I had NFL scouts that I'm close to hitting me up last summer. Talking about, man, I, I went to I went to uh, Virginia. I seen this kid in person. He's got the big arm. He looks the part of an NFL quarterback. And with all the weapons they had, things just didn't go 
uh, the way that we expected to for Virginia last year. So if he can get back to that 2021 type of play, he can take this team uh, to new heights. And, and that's what that's what's so exciting about them is the the implementation of him in this offense. Again, bringing in uh, a coach he's familiar with. Long as he plays at a high level, I think this is a team with the defense that can keep you at bay. Now all you got to do is score a certain. A lot of times we have a great defense. You just tell your quarterback, I just need you to hit this point mark and we're fine. Stay up to date all year long on the ACC by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On ACC, wherever you get your podcasts from and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up with this very well being the swan song for the Pac-12, what can we expect from this season? Before we get to that, though, the NBPA does not believe James Harden should have been fined. Football season is set to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets back for every win. You can use the bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, lots of things. And you could sign up, place a bet on the defending champs, the Chiefs, to win it all, and then get paid every single win that they accumulate along the way before the Super Bowl even happens. You can also combine prop bets within a game to make a same-game parlay for even bigger payouts. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The National Basketball Players Association intends to file a grievance disputing the NBA's $100,000 fine for James Harden over public comments he made earlier this month expressing displeasure against the Philadelphia 76ers. Quote, we respectfully disagree with the league's decision to discipline James Harden for recent comments he made, which we believe do not violate the rule against public trade demands. The NBPA said in a statement on Tuesday, after the 76ers said they would not trade him, James Harden publicly declared, quote, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. The NBA said Harden was, quote, indicating that he would not perform the services called for under his player contract unless traded to another team. And then they find him. The White Sox have fired executive vice president Ken Williams and general manager Rick Hahn effective immediately, the team announcing that on Tuesday. The White Sox entered Tuesday with a 49-76 and record. They are 16 games behind the first place Minnesota Twins. The organization went through a stated rebuild in the past decade, culminating in playoff appearances in both 2020 and 2021 but they won a total of only two postseason games during those two years. The White Sox went 81-81 and last season before cratering this year amidst dysfunction in the clubhouse. Williams was with the team since 1992, working his way up in various roles, including general manager. He oversaw the team that won the 2005 World Series before being promoted to executive vice president in 2012. That's the same year that the team promoted Han to general manager. In MLB action, the Phillies separated themselves from the Giants in the NL wildcard with a win on Tuesday. My goodness, what a win for the Philadelphia Phillies. Connor Thomas, your host of Locked On Phillies, and the offense looked anemic tonight until the last inning. And just some great, great at-bats by the Phillies in the bottom of the ninth. Trey Turner with the walk-off liner up the middle, off of the glove of the pitcher. I mean, just... That's a battle win. That's a playoff win. That's a 
huge series win against the San Francisco Giants. Man, I'm fired up right now with this team. It wasn't pretty, but Tywan Walker battled even after wearing a liner back up the middle. And this is just a, just a beautiful, beautiful fight by the Philadelphia Phillies. The way you win ball games down the stretch in Major League Baseball is by winning the tough games that you maybe shouldn't have. Tonight, the Giants could have easily taken this one, but the Phillies snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, and Trey Turner is back, baby. We'll talk more on the next episode of Locked On Phillies. The Washington Nationals added to the misery for the New York Yankees. The Nats beat the Bronx Bombers up in New York of a score of 2-1. to one. Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals here. The big storyline from today's game is not really from the Nationals. It's up in New York with the Yankees. This is an all-time bad Yankees team at this moment in time. They just lost their ninth straight game, the first time in 40-plus years. But let's get to Nationals stuff now. Josiah Gray didn't start today's game. He looked decent, but even then, Josiah Gray threw more balls than he did strikes, but even with his inconsistencies with his command so far this season, and really tonight in particular, he still found a way to actually put up decent numbers considering going six innings pitch, only gave up one hit, and that one hit was a solo home run, which always seems to bite Josiah every now and then. C.J. Abrams comes in the eighth inning, a game-separating home run. You love to see it up at Yankee Stadium. And the Cleveland Guardians dominated the Los Angeles Dodgers. Baseball is a funny game. If you looked at the schedule this week with the Los Angeles Dodgers coming to Cleveland and who they were pitching and who the Guardians were throwing out there, you would have thought this was going to be an easy sweep for the Dodgers. And instead on Tuesday night, the Guardians run away with a win and a laugh for 8-3 over the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm Justin Latticoast of Lockdown Guardians. Noah Syndergaard, former Dodger who struggled in L.A. before being traded to Cleveland for Matt Rosario at the training deadline. Went out and threw quality start, six innings, three runs. Pretty solid start for him. Cole Calhoun, who was in the Dodgers minor league system this year, kind of riding it out, hit a big home run in the game to give the Guardians the win over Bobby Miller, who looked very dominant early in the game. Before the game, Tito Francona had a press conference and there were some questions asked about his future, uh, leading some speculation that this may be his last year's manager. Nothing guaranteed yet. He hasn't made any sort of announcement, but speculation is out there. And we're going to talk about it on Lockdown Guardians. If this is the end, if it's coming close for Terry Francona and the Cleveland Guardians in a great run. So stay tuned to Lockdown Guardians. For Here is another story you need to know. The Pac-12 is disappearing before our eyes. Will this be the last year for the conference? Maybe. Our Locked On hosts in the Pac-12 conference join Locked On Pac-12 host Spencer McLaughlin to preview the season. Mark, your Trojans are the favorites heading into this year. I think that's warranted. I think they should be. I think they win at least 10 games this year. But down in USC country, of the other teams that are seen as you know the biggest conference contenders, who do USC fans feel is the biggest threat? No offense to either, no, to the, to the two gentlemen here. Um, both Washington and Utah have to travel to LA this year. And that gives a significant advantage to USC. We Trojan fans are well aware that Utah is holding a little two game win streak over their head right now. Um, but there's, there's some nuance behind that, but you know, they'll, they'll wear that chip on their shoulder all season long until Utah arrives. Uh, and again, with Washington, um, they have the offensive firepower to play. Uh, USC, I think, has a little bit more exponential firepower to play, and it starts with Caleb Williams. And, and that's really the difference between – that'll be the difference in those games. So I spoke to someone earlier 
who might or might not know something about Oregon football. And I, I explained to him that the reason why I consider Oregon, I guess, the biggest threat preventing USC from going undefeated this season is that it's in Eugene. And for whatever reason, uh, Oregon fans and Oregon, they they wear that same chip that, that USC might be wearing on their shoulder this year when it comes to playing USC. They want to believe uh, that they are at USC's level. Offensively, I think Oregon has the firepower. Um, I don't know if they have the defense. And I know that's USC's big question mark. But I, I don't know if Oregon has a defense to, to stop USC from scoring enough, even, if, even though it's at home. Well, you know, what, one thing I wonder about, Mark, is how styles factor into that. Because Oregon's defense has made improvements, uh, to be sure, but it still has to play out on the field and deliver actual tangible results. But they, I think, across the board have upgraded their personnel in just about every area from a season ago, most notably safety and along the defensive line. But I wonder when you look at a team like like Washington, Roman, they're not going to be a team like Oregon or Utah, I feel, could control the game in a sense and try to run the ball, manage the clock a bit more and play defense by playing ball control offense. Is Washington's only path to beating USC in that game down in Los Angeles? Is it just to score more points, win in a shootout and hope the ball bounces your way? Not necessarily. There's going to be some, there were some upgrades made on the defensive side of the ball. They're bringing in uh, cornerback Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State, who looks really good. He's a really fluid mover. Uh, I just came from Washington's first practice earlier today, and he looks a lot better now, a lot more comfortable in the defense than he did in the spring. And obviously, yeah, there's there's a factor of the offense that needs to be considered because when Washington wants to control the ball and run the ball, they can't. They're bringing another transfer from Mississippi State, Dylan Johnson who just looks like a different kind of beast at running back compared to some of the guys they had last year. And Spencer, with respect to Oregon's defense, as long as Tosh Lupoy is calling plays, I'm not going to be all that worried about what's going on on that side of the ball down there. But yeah, when it, when it comes to uh, Washington's defense, there have been strides that have been made. Edifon Yulifoscio is going to be healthy, uh, assumingly for the majority of the season this year after missing um, half of 2021 and the majority of 2022 with a couple of different injuries. And he's been the leader. He's been the captain for three or four years at this point on the defensive side of the ball. So getting him back is going to do wonders for a defense that while it allowed a lot of yards in 2022, the point differential and the, the points per game that they allowed were kind of middle of the road. They really weren't as bad as some people think. One of the best defenses in the conference a year ago belonged to Utah. JT Wistersill locked on Utes. We're talking about Pac-12 contenders. The Utes are the two-time defending champions. And as is par for the course, JT, we haven't mentioned Utah yet. We've talked about other teams first because Utah is once again just flying under the radar compared to everybody else. But they bring, I think, their own unique style uh, to all of these sorts of games. And I think their matchups with with Oregon and Washington and USC are fascinating ones because they are different. They're not a team that wants to drop back and throw it 35 to 40 times. No, I don't think Oregon is either, but I think they're more willing to do it if you look at like the Washington State game a year ago than, uh, than Utah would be willing to do. The Utes are much more, you know, 12, 11 personnel, one back play action sort of game. But 
How do you see Utah figuring into the Pac-12 championship picture this year with probably of the four teams we have represented here? And we should factor in uh, UCLA and Oregon State, which we will in just a moment. But Utah might have the toughest schedule in conference and out of conference of ever, of anybody in the, in the league this season. Yeah, they have a brutal schedule, but I believe they have the best top to bottom roster in the Pac-12 overall. Stay up to date all year long in the Pac-12 by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Pac-12 on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, why the Yankees have no more excuses left with Brian Cashman. This has been a year to forget in the Bronx. The Yankees are currently in the middle of a nine-game losing streak. They're under 500 with the playoffs looking like a ridiculous notion. Locked on MLB host Sully believes there's no more reasons to keep Brian Cashman around. And it seems obvious right now. Look, it's more than obvious right now that this is a roster construction situation. This team was horribly put together and assembled. And Brian Cashman... I do not understand an argument to keep him. None. Even if you're going to give him credit for the 98 through 2003 run, of which he was standing on the shoulders of Gene Michael, Buck Showalter, and Bob Watson. Even you give him them. If you look at his last 10 years, when basically the, the core was removed, you can give him, I'll give him 2017, I'll give him 2019. Hell, I'll give him the first half of last year. But the team is horribly constructed. Everyone says it. Everyone knows it. This team is incompetently put together. And sometimes it's good to have a regime change. It's good to bring in someone new. Hey, you've been here. That's a 10-year span since the retirement of Mariano Rivera. Nine years since Jeter. Maybe it's time for a new voice. And they had their chance. They had the perfect chance. Dana Brown. Do you know who Dana Brown was? Dana Brown was one of the uh, the brain trusts of the Atlanta Braves, this wonderful Atlanta Braves team that's been put together. And he was a clear general manager in waiting. That's what you want to do. You want to maybe pluck some of that talent. The Astros beat you to the punch there. Remember Kim Eng was part of the Yankee front office during all that time too, alongside Cashman? She's now running the Marlins who, by the way, are in a much better position right now than the Yankees are. They have young players, they have young stars, and she's made very smart moves there. And boom, which situation would you rather be in? I truly believe that baseball is better when the Yankees are in it. And right now that means getting rid of Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. And finally, Asia Wilson matched the single-game WNBA scoring record of 53 points to fuel the Las Vegas Aces to a 112-100 victory over the Atlanta Dream on Tuesday night. Wilson became the third player in WNBA history to eclipse 50 points in a single game, joining Liz Cambage and Raquana Williams. This comes amidst a great season all around for the defending champs. The Aces reached 100-plus points for the ninth time this season as they secured their 29th win. That ties the 2014 Mercury for most wins in a season in WNBA history. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Next show, we're going to be talking about what the Big 12 will look like in Texas and Oklahoma's final season in the conference. At least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.